This is Eagle Eye Tiger, and you're listening to The Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. Welcome to another episode of The Paradise Arcade. This week we have a guest that uh, we've been trying to get on for a long time, and I am super excited. I know that Kyle's very excited to have on this guest. Um, Eagle Eye Tiger, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Can I call you by your real name, or you just want to be called Eagle Eye Tiger? Whatever you want to do, Eagle Eye Tiger, E-E-T... It it's all the same to me. <laughs> all right. I ended up picking out that name, uh, and er- everyone always asks me this. Yes, it is because I watched an episode of Parks and Recreation, and they mentioned this band name, and I thought, oh, that's something. I didn't think it would stick. I thought by this point I'd have a different name. <laughs> I, I think that's a really great way to start off, start the conversation off, um, because I've I've had people say, man, I just love that that's a Parks and Rec um reference and i i've watched the whole series twice and i forgot that that was even in the show yeah. it's 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 in the episode i think it's around the time they're doing the harvest festival not to get too into the details but, <laughs> um it's always around that that time and there's like little sebastian i think they're looking for that little uh oh yeah yeah miniature horse or something and then they lose it and Andy Dwyer just happens to say, oh, Eli Tiger, great band name. And I was like, oh, okay, that'll be fun. And honestly, you know, I've been such a fan of, you know, all sorts of music and genres, but a lot of bands, they always have these like really interesting names, you know, with with like a great history or just, you know, something that makes you really think, you know, Talking Heads, Radiohead. And I just have Eagle Eye Tiger. I think it's brilliant. I think in a way, you know, it's meta, but also like in the exact vein of what you're talking about, these sort of abstract, put whatever you want into it, whatever meaning you want into it. It doesn't really mean anything, but it can mean everything. You know, I'm just glad that people still uh, get a kick out of it. (laughs) So there's no like what I love about it is in the. um in contrast to your music or how your music presents itself, like it definitely puts this mystery to the name. Like, Oh, what does it mean? What could it mean? Um, <laughs> and I love that just like, I'm not going to say arbitrary way, way that you chose it, but certainly it, I, I love that sort of like, yeah, it sounds good. I'm going for it. Uh, like to be completely honest, if you had asked me back then, like, are you sure you want this as your name? I probably would have gone, no, you know what? I'll probably think about it and I'll, I'll come up with something really brilliant. It'll be something that, you know, people are going to absolutely go crazy over. Like the name, you know, I've never been, you know, huge on keeping Eagle Eyed Tiger as the project name, but then things started to take off and then I couldn't, change it i mean i I guess i could but that would be really weird because then everyone would be like oh this is eagle eyed tiger right (laughs) and it's it's a mouthful you know i i'd probably pick a shorter name moving forward but uh, for now 
it flows really well, honestly. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. And what I like is that with the kind of music that you make, which I would put more experimental because I think every release that you put out is different and sometimes drastically so other times just like a different mood but i like that your name isn't tied to like a specific genre of music like i feel in a lot of ways because the name is sort of doesn't necessarily mean anything you're free to do whatever creative thing you want within that it's not like morbid angel or you know some other right. like very specific <laughs> name you're like that's that is that genre of music right i like to um I don't know if you're familiar with this band, but there's a band I really love called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Definitely familiar. These guys, I mean, I love how much they put out. The, the, the musical output is unreal because it's not only you get a big quantity of music, but I would say a vast majority, if not the whole catalog of releases is so good and so different where even if you hate a release, personally, I don't hate any of their releases, but I'm just saying in the hypothetical that someone really disliked a release, they basically just say, okay, well, you know, in a month from now, we're going to have another project and you <laughs> might love that one. We're going to release. I would love, I would really love to be able to work that quickly and be able to put out music at such a speed where I can really just go balls to the wall, kind of try new things out and not be worried that it's going to, you know, alienate fans or, uh, you know, not get on certain playlists or get on certain YouTube channels because that's kind of the way the, the at least our corner of the industry works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you think I, I, at this point, I think like you've carved a piece of the world out for yourself and have been known to be you know fairly like you know it's not avant-garde but it's certainly you change enough where do you, is that something that you actually really worry about is like people not going to get the release is that a factor for you i mean i i think that's probably one thing that always keeps me up like i can finish working on a project i can finish working on an album i can send it to get pressed on onto vinyl or made into cassettes or just submitted to, you know, the distributor for them to put it onto all the streaming services. And I'll still have that creeping feeling in the back of my mind. Like what if people really don't like this, which is why sometimes I kind of hedge my bets, you know, to have some kind of analogy, basically. I know that let's say, for example, some people really love the songs where I sing, right? And with the same token, I'm sure there's some fans who only listen to the instrumental stuff. Early on, when I was just starting out Eagle-Eyed Tiger, I didn't dare to sing on anything. Uh, like, we're talking the stuff that I was putting on SoundCloud that isn't even on Spotify. Like, really early stuff. You can't even get it on Bandcamp anymore. Because listening back to it, it's truly awful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, you kind of grow out of that. You, you, you grow out of that fear eventually. And, you know, before I was really, uh, before I did anything that 
got any kind of acclaim, I released that album Separations, right? And I mm-hmm. I sing on that one. And the singing, you know, it's pretty it's pretty mediocre singing. You know, I'm not going to toot my own horn on any of this stuff because singing is the one thing I, even still, I'm not 100% confident in. But I sang a little bit on that one and, you know, it was fine. And then I released the song Continuum, which made it onto Electronic Gems. And that was kind of the first sign, like, oh, people might actually really enjoy this type of stuff where it's just, you know, instrumentals and whatnot. And I kind of focused on that for quite a bit. And it's that feeling of, you know, I guess it really just boils down to confidence. Yeah. Like, it took many years to feel confident about the production that, okay. I kind of understand mixing. I kind of understand mastering. I know the bass should be a little bit lower or a little bit more, depending on what, you know, will sound good on headphones versus a car versus computer monitors. And once you get to that, it's a great baseline to have because it's that confidence that gives you the freedom to kind of now experiment a bit. But the thing is that if you go too far away from it, sometimes people, they just stop messing with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. I definitely can understand that. Um, And and that's an interesting thing. I wonder for you, as you continue to gain more confidence in yourself and grow as an artist, that you take bolder risks. Because I feel like, you know, again, like I don't listen to Eagle Eye Tiger because I'm going to get the same thing every record. And I like, and that's something that I really like is that there are these thematic differences or tonal differences. And sometimes like, you know, with feathers, obviously that's different than untether unravel. Um, right. And I like those things. And I like it when you sing and I like it, you know, like, and I'm just speaking for my own taste, obviously. And I don't expect to always get everything that you do or anyone that releases. But, you know, I think when I associate you, it's with, doing creative and interesting things and not being stuck in, you know, arpeggiated bases and, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, like the very, like these tropes, like I don't feel that you get stuck in the tropes and, and like I associate with you with good production with interesting sounds and textures and then putting things together that are, that you wouldn't necessarily feel would go into electronic music or, you know, the, the other way. Um, so it's interesting to hear your perspective of where you're coming from and what you sort of fear or not fear or think about. Um, cause like, I wouldn't assume that as the listener at all. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, for me, it, it's, it's, you know, every time I release something, I'm thinking, unfortunately from a few different perspectives, one, is this something I actually want to release? Two, is this something that, you know, the people who follow me, who, you know, you loosely call fans, are they going to enjoy any aspect of this? You know, I've got some stuff from over the years, you know, just demos where the songs, it's, you could probably consider it a finished song, but it's just. I don't want to say ahead of its time or behind the times. It's just not the right time. Yeah. And it might not like, it might never be the right time for that, for that music, for that song. 
And that's kind of, you know, something you have to live with uh, as an artist. Sometimes you put hours and hours and hours, and you mix and you master. And then you, the next day, the next morning, you listen to it and you go, what in the hell was I thinking? And <laughs> unfortunately, that kind of happens a lot. I'm sure it happens a lot with, with all the artists that you, uh, you interview, some probably more than others who venture out into the mm-hmm. unknown. And I'm not saying I'm trying to reinvent any types of wheels or anything, but sometimes, you know, I sit down and I think, okay, let me try to do something totally different. You know, let's make a whole thing just with acoustic guitars. And it doesn't really work. But then you take that and you put it onto something else and then it becomes, it breathes new life into something. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to find either inspiration or some kind of answer when I'm, exploring these these new areas i love i absolutely love that that answer and that insight into part of your creative process um and i and i love that you're in search of something and um yeah that the the mixing of the like the again using acoustic instruments or real instruments like because you know you play bass or you play guitar or whatever it is and you incorporate it into your music and i think maybe that's why i feel so fresh because i think you know a lot of times electronic music it's really good to it's really easy to get repetitive it's really easy to use everyone uses the same preset and so you get these sort of yeah. archetypal sounds and Sometimes it's totally fine on the setting, like, you know, the dance floor you're going out or whatever it is, like, that could be fine. But, like, what I like, I've never associated Eagle Eye Tiger with any of those kinds of things. Like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to the record on vinyl or in the car and I'm going to go on a journey and I'm just going to put it in track one and then go all the way through and go on that experience. And that's what I've always I mean, associated with your music. That's that's the biggest compliment you can give me, honestly, because for me, I'm not taking shots at anybody. The genre, when people like, I mean, people label chill synth, you know, with a pretty broad brush these days, I yeah. think. But when you boil it down, I would say there's a handful of people who are really doing very interesting things. And the, there's a lot of people who are you know, in some ways trying to copy some of those interesting things or Mm -hmm. not even that. It's just, for me, it doesn't excite me. Mm -hmm. I, I would say this might be a surprise or maybe it, it, it won't be, but I don't really listen to too much of the genre. That does not surprise me whatsoever. I try to listen to as much music, you know, I don't care where it's from, what language it's in. I'm trying to listen to all sorts of stuff to see what and where the innovation lies, see what ideas I've never thought of before, see if I can figure out, you know, what makes this sound so cool? What, the, what you know, what, what is this artist bringing to the table? And there's a lot of great music out there, undoubtedly. And there, there is a lot of great music in the chill synth uh, genre as well. I try to not, let a label dictate the direction I go. Like, I know, you know, obviously there's an aspect of thinking about things from the business point of view. Okay. 
there are, you know, a handful of YouTube channels that uh, upload music that are in the genres of chill synth, retro wave, chill wave, you know, that whole umbrella, you could call it, right? And everyone knows, everyone knows that there are good ways of getting exposure through those YouTube channels, right? Because, you know, they have 300,000 subscribers, they have 500,000 subscribers, a million subscribers, whatever, okay? But the thing is that if your stuff is not close enough to what the you know that tastemaker aligns with then you kind of miss out and the same thing Mm -hmm. applies on all these streaming platforms spotify apple music etc they all have these editorial playlists and everyone whether they you know maybe not everyone but many of us on some level are always hoping to get into these playlists right it's yeah not only validation but it's also income at the end of the day yeah where if you make something and you want people to hear it right at the end of the day if five people listen to my new album versus five million you know it's it's not as rewarding at least for me i i want as many people to listen to my music as possible at the same time i kind of have to juggle this where yeah maybe i do want to sing on the track and if I sing on it, I know I'm going to cut off, you know, I don't know, three or four different promotional outlets because they only listen or they only post instrumental music. And that's kind of the the push and pull with the system, right? Mm-hmm. What do you put out that you feel confident in, that you feel happy about, that you don't feel that you're selling out in any way? but still is able to reach a wider audience. Because at the end of the day, if you, just as I'm just pulling off the top of my head, right? Untether Unravel is a weird, weird concept album. I love that record. But thank you. (laughs) Uh, If you listen just to Fly Me to the Groove, which is the second track, Mm -hmm. it's fairly, you know, uh, it's fairly standard, I guess, for 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 my taste you know retro wave kind of pulsing synth bass and you have some some cool melodies counterplaying and you have these really fat drums just kind of pulsing you forward and that was one of the singles right yeah and then you compared to the other single which was descend the inverted pyramid and like they couldn't be further apart right descend is this weird trippy song and why I wanted this to be the first single, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even explain <laughs> why. But uh, I had finished that song, and I was just really, really happy with how it came out. I didn't care whether it, you know, got onto a channel or whether it got into a, a, an editorial. I was just happy, and I wanted people to listen to it. But you can't have everything, at yeah. least at this level, when you're trying to be professional and you're trying to make a living. Sometimes you have to make a compromise. Yeah. Sometimes you have to look at the situation and say, okay, I want people to tune in to this whole project, right? I want people to watch this stupid 20-minute movie I made, (laughs) and I want people to at least be aware that it's coming out, right? I've got vinyl coming out. I've got cassettes. So 
you kind of have to think about all these things. How do I properly promote myself without completely going broke? Right. It's, it's a unique balance of trying to figure out how to stay true to your artistic sensibilities, I guess, but also factoring in a little bit, how do I market this? Is this okay to put out to actually, like, will this translate into someone taking interest in this project? Yeah, those are all really, you sound like you go as far into thinking about things as I do about pretty much anything else. Um, and I guess what I've discovered about music when I talk to successful musicians or however you want to categorize that people that are more known is that they didn't necessarily do any of that. It's the, they found a person, they found an entertainment lawyer, they found, they knew a publicist, they knew a connection to one thing and that opened up opportunities to get in front of some that could push them, their music out to validate right. them in some sort of way. Um, and that was the thing that got them uh, where they were at. Not necessarily, it, it just seems unfair. Like you're doing a lot of hard work. You're putting a lot of effort, emotional, intellectual energy into not just your art, but then how to reach your audience, essentially. How do you find the people that will listen to your music and connect with it? And right. it, it's, you know, I'm happy that like, I love those little things that you do. Um, the, the 20 minute video you did for untether unravel. Um, they're interesting and they're really, you know, um, I, I like them. Uh, and I like untether unravel. And it's funny that you said like fly me to the groove is sort of like this typical thing. Well, to me, it was a show of confidence. It says you can play in this realm and be very competent in it. And that's all you're going to get. There it is. There's a taste. <laughs> Like, well, I could, yes, I could do it and I could do it well, but I'm not going to make this whole album this thing. And, you know, that's that, that's a funny thing, because sometimes when I listen to that and I, I just think, you know, what if I just did the whole album like this? Maybe maybe more people would enjoy it. <laughs> but it's 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 always that it's always trying to find that balance. I'm not trying to be some negative Nancy either. You know, no. like I don't think you are. No, I I I really. It's always tough because when you look at how the music industry is shifting, a lot of it is artists having to push themselves and hoping for that, either that moment of viral craziness that kind of takes them over the edge or just, you know, figuring out what's the best way to market myself, mm -hmm. right? Like personally, I don't want to, if, if I didn't have to think about all the little minutiae okay the 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 music is done but i need to now pick singles and i need single artwork and we have to tell a story i still want to do the creative parts but all the little logistics of okay teaser video okay teaser image okay maybe i'll schedule it in a certain way you know which days are better than others which times i mean it's you'll go sick trying to think of yeah the perfect promotion because i'm sure it doesn't exist unless you are working under like interscope or some other gigantic mm -hmm. corporation where the, you know they own you 
but then they they obviously market the hell out of you. Mm-hmm. So. I think Kyle's hearing this and going, I wouldn't ever even start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, unless you've got Interscope or some other big record company that can put a budget behind your release, but they own you. They own your either own your distribution rights for either for a long period of time or forever. And yeah. you're subject to their release schedules. I've talked to other artists who, you know, that are on bigger labels and what's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that like when you're on a li- like a a bigger label, your music could be done for a year, year and a half before it's even released because it's got to be put onto their schedule and they, their yeah. marketing uh, strategy and then they it so it takes all this time to do and uh and you're ready for the next thing like you're creatively you're probably already two eps a full album past it but you're stuck in a holding pattern for this one release because you're stuck in the contract yeah it's i mean everyone has has different you know problems with with the industry there's i i'm sure there are good labels out there i'm sure there's great like systems in place you know, people like to talk about Warp and um, some of those like really iconic labels and whatnot. I don't know anything about those. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm trudging it alone at the at the moment. You know, trying to figure things out on my own. And uh, you know, obviously uh, Stratford helps with the physicals, and that's been a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I, th- I think um, you know, I really feel like uh really appreciative of Andrew and what he does at Stratford because you know I think he's got a really good ear a really good taste and you talk about you know worrying about getting on these playlists these tastemaker playlists essentially and I feel like Andrew has a really good ear and there is this variety to what he has and that you're on that it seems really appropriate yeah yeah uh I've I've always uh enjoyed releasing the the physicals putting my music onto vinyl has been a dream uh even before i was good at making music or you know at least confident in making music maybe not good but um i the that first album on the run when i got it in my hands it was like a aha moment like okay this can be done like we're on a small scale but this can be done yeah and with 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 each release you know i've wanted to get more and more and more ambitious with it and andrew has followed uh my lead and he also you know he's open to me going you know a little off the beaten path let's say and personally the the one thing i don't know if we're gonna be able to do it but at at some point i would love to do a double lp because sometimes I have these projects and I'm like, man, I can't fit it in that 40 to 42 minutes on one, on one album, like on, on one LP. Like I would love to have that freedom. Obviously it's not as cost effective. Obviously it's a little bit more pain in the butt for packaging and shipping and whatnot. uh, And whatnot, obviously it costs a lot more to produce. Um, But I think it would be a really cool thing because I've I've always loved those those vinyl where you get it's like a double sleeve and you open it up and it's yeah, like it's a, a book. gate it's a gatefold is what that's called exactly and uh, you you get that beautiful artwork usually inside or or just something cool is inside some something is in that 
that just, you know, makes you think, wow, they really put a lot of thought and effort into this type of thing. You hear that, Andrew? A double LP gatefold release. <laughs> I want it. I want it. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I don't see why. You know, I know that he's got a, he kind of has a, a price point that he hits and, you know, he's a very smart businessman. So like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get too deep into the, into the business side of things. I know I've, I think I've spoken this whole time about the business side of things un, unintentionally. Um, but I'm not trying to, you know, push anything to be like, Oh, I need a double LP. No, no, of nothing course like not. that. Just, no. just, just, uh, just an idea. It's know. a creative aspiration. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, so let's loop around a bit to the, the creative, uh, component of, of EET. And I, I just, to me, like the music is so confident. And so, um, like each thing, each record, it, it has such good variety and you're mixing in, um, different sounds are, I mean, do you come into this from a different type of music and you decided to make EET like what's your background well uh we had to go back quite a bit um I played saxophone in elementary school and middle school and high school uh but so you know I I was always exposed to a lot of different types of orchestral music you know I was in the wind ensemble we were doing all sorts of weird weird music and a lot of ideas came during that time. Uh, but at the time I wasn't really that interested in pursuing saxophone, right? What I was interested in pursuing was the drums. Hey, sorry for interrupting. I hope that you're enjoying the episode so far and that when you're done listening to it, that you'll tell us about it. You'll leave a comment. You'll like our page. You'll like the episode post. You'll share it, you repost it, you do all those things. Uh, all that kind of engagement uh, makes a big difference for you know what we do. We want to hear from you. And at the end of the day, it's as much about community engagement as it is about anything else. So all of those things, commenting, liking, sharing, following us, it all matters. We also have a Patreon where you can contribute as much or as little as you want. There is some exclusive content on there, and we will continue to update that. But know that your contribution goes back 100% into the show. I'm not going to ramble on. Kyle and I would just like to say thank you for listening, whether it's your first time or you've caught all the episodes. Thank you. So without further ado, let's get back to the episode. So I, I was also in the jazz band as the drummer and that was where I was like, that was the most fun to me. I loved playing the drums. I wish I could still play the drums, obviously living in apartments. You can't really right. uh, bang on drums without getting kicked out or, you know, complaints. Uh, but drums were the first instrument that made me say, okay, I might have a bit of talent. Maybe I can pursue this. Now, obviously, I didn't pursue it academically. Academically, uh, I went to school for engineering. 
Uh, Makes complete sense, though. Mathematics, music, it all ties together. If you say so, because those, <laughs> those four years were, were, were a challenge. But um, nevertheless, uh, it's all thanks to my mom. She, she bought me that first drum set and then bought me the cymbals. And then she got me another drum set when things were too loud. Okay, electronic drums, ironically, not really my thing. So then we returned those and she got me another drum set. <laughs> but no matter what it was she gave me the tools to you know pursue that creative side and words can't express how uh, how important that was to me because that experience of playing the drums getting recognized for that even, you know, obviously at a high school level. I mean, I had no experience uh, reading the sheet music for drums because sheet music for drums is way different than sheet music for it is, yeah. saxophone or, or, or any other type of uh, pitched instrument. And I, like, I would just listen to the song and I'd just play it. And then the, you know, that's, that's just how it went. And when I went to school, uh, meaning when I went to university, uh, obviously I can't take the drums. And I was so busy trying not to fail uh, those engineering classes that I was just learning more and more about electronic music. And if you looked at the type of music I was listening to before uh, I went to college, it was a lot of uh, Radiohead, a lot of, you know, Block Party. I don't know if you're familiar with that, yeah. that British band. Block yeah. Party is one of my favorites. Um, uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, even like early muse, I was very much into that kind of guitar virtuoso mm -hmm. uh, type of stuff. And then Radiohead was just kind of like, it opened my door to a whole bunch of different worlds. Once I got heavy into Radiohead, then I really started getting into more different types of electronic music. And eventually, 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 you know, I stumbled on electronic gems and it was probably one of the big songs. It was probably, you know, Resonance or one of those ones that was really, you know, if you look at the viewer counts on those those early years, they're like in the tens of millions or something crazy. I listened and I was like, wow. The vibe of this is, it feels futuristic, but it also feels kind of retro. There's something strange going on in my brain where like, <laughs> It's painting a vivid picture with just a bit of the artwork, which was, you know, uh, what Electronic Gems had picked out, not even the artwork mm -hmm. of the album. Right. But it all kind of fits so well together. And I was just really impressed by that. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could get onto this YouTube channel? But even after that, I wasn't really making that type of music. I was, you know, probably at that time listening to a lot of James Blake. I think his self-titled and, and, and the follow-up album were out around that time. And I was really impressed with how he blended all, all of it together. The electronics, the acoustical stuff, the piano, and his gorgeous voice, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing led to another. And I ended up making you know a lot of stuff in Ableton, a lot of stuff with, I don't know if you're familiar with Machine. Yep. Um, but 
these little devices, and I mean, honestly, none of it's on Bandcamp anymore for a reason. It was truly awful stuff. <laughs> but at the time, at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, I got this new EP out. I got this new album out. You know, it's really good. You guys should really give it a listen. And obviously, none of it caught on. And it took quite a while for me to really refine and figure things out, understand production, understand, okay, it's not just about um, putting all putting all the sounds together. You have to now make it sound good. Right. Not just for, you know, you listening on, on, on the laptop, but someone listening on their headphones, in the car, all, all these things I was thinking about all of a sudden. And a lot of it was just from YouTube, learning uh, different techniques, learning different skills, reading about things on the internet. Um, and personally, my, my dream early on was always to make a band, like a proper band. Right. Where whether I'm drumming or I'm playing guitar or, or I, I would never thought of myself as the singer, but at, at, you know, as one part of the band making the music and then playing live on stage, like that was always to me the end goal. If things worked out perfectly, if I could, you know, roll the die and it lands exactly the way I had envisioned it, that was like the apex, you know. That idea of getting on a stage, you know, picking up the sticks or picking up a guitar and just playing something amazing. A big part of that is um, the bands that I had been watching live at the time that I had gone to see in concert. Some of these performances, they were just so mind-blowing. It really changes your perspective. I have uh, a great admiration for, you know, dance music and uh, what DJs do. Personally, for me, I've never been that guy who looks at, you know, even that amazing, like, Daft Punk style uh, when they had the Alive Tour in 2007. I think it was 2007. I'm probably uh, wrong, but when they had that amazing tour with the big pyramid and the flashing lights and all that stuff looks amazing to me. But if I had to choose between that or something like what Radiohead does, where they, you know, there's a few of them, they're all contributing to this amazing sound and you're just in awe of what you're seeing being performed. I was always on the Radiohead side of things where Got it. I want to see that cool performance. I want to see that, and and they have a killer light show too. Don't get me wrong, but there's something special about performing to me. I've always been someone who wants to perform. Uh, so when you listen to my music, when you listen to the early stuff, you don't hear that too much. But I was always eager to throw in a guitar, even though it wasn't really conventional. I mean, now I think it's it's a lot more widespread. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was always a fan of, you know, even with my, I'm no guitar hero, but um, even with my, my level of skill with, with guitar, I, I would always just want to throw something crazy in, some kind of guitar solo towards the end, some cool guitar part, just to make, keep that performance aspect in there. And then eventually I incorporate the singing. Once I got over my... Uh, my fear of singing. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's worked out decently. Some people really like the singing songs and some people 
don't really tune in as much and that's that's okay i think i think that's just the way it is but um i've always wanted to do a project do a whole album where it's just songs with vocals because i think as beautiful as instrumentals are there's something extra you can tap into if you can speak to someone through your lyrics yeah i agree and a, a lot of my favorite i mean I, I would say almost all of my favorite artists they use vocals they use lyrics they they even if it's like minimalist type of stuff or it's like repeating samples kind of thing there's often a voice even if it's a synthesized voice there's still a voice there and that aspect has always been uh something i'm hoping to accomplish in the future where it's my music whether it's under eagle-eyed tiger or it's under a different artist name you know that's that's my goal to to release music with just vocals you know i don't i really like the songs that you sing on and i think with the style of music that you've made with that like i think as a songwriter for yourself I think you're really versatile um, because it, the, again, the songs where you sing it, the music complements the voice and then your instrumentals make sense as instrumentals. Like they're not lacking anything. Like I think you understand, like you understand that non-vocal music, the music carries the entire song. Whereas when you right. go vocals, then the vocals carry the song and, and the music is there to, you know, add to it and, and heighten it and, and carry it through. So, you know, I, I don't do it, do what you want to do and don't do what you don't want to do as far as that goes. And I think you're going to find an audience and, you know, I think there's sort of this acceptance of like, it doesn't have to be for everybody, you know, chasing yeah, of the course, same, of course, chasing the same that that person, you know, maybe chasing that person who only likes your instrumental things isn't really worth the time it's going for the fans that appreciate what you do as a songwriter is probably the more important thing um because i think again you know every single one of your albums i like it for different reasons um and when i get them on vinyl i'm like super excited because i have them all oh thank you so much i really appreciate that <laughs> yeah of course it's uh Every, every every time every time a project comes out it's always nerve-wracking because especially now that there's such a delay between the album coming out and uh vinyl being ready some sometimes i mean during during the the last few years especially there was so much backup that right. like we wanted the untether unravel albums to be available with the album release and it took so many more months for them to just arrive it's it's quite a scary thing because you either ask people to impart with their money like just on the confidence that the album is gonna eventually make it on mm -hmm. vinyl or you have to wait a number of months and then that gets scary as well because then oh what you know are people still going to be that intrigued? Are they still going to buy, you know, maybe they've listened to it enough 
maybe they don't really care about it as much. Maybe the, you know, that initial shock factor of, oh, a new album's out, you know, let me scoop it up kind of thing. That whole phenomenon, it kind of shifts. And especially now, you know, obviously the economy's in flux pretty yeah. significantly. So things like vinyl albums suddenly become quite a luxury to have. Yeah. I mean, uh, it is a luxury. It's a luxury item. It really is. Yeah. You're, I mean, yes, of course, when, when streaming exists and you don't have to uh, lug out a, a big vinyl record player, then. You know what I liked about um, the Feathers release is that there was the cassettes that came first for the yeah. in immediate need for physical things. And then the vinyl came out later. And that's the beauty of cassettes like cassettes cassettes are able to be produced so quickly uh the the turnover you know is marginal compared to what it is for vinyl and oh, vinyl yeah. i think it's gotten a little bit better this year um but you know i'm sure it's still gonna creep up as soon as the next gigantic pop star orders two hundred fifty thousand expedited vinyls or something yeah yeah i think that was you know, um, I think last year there was a few releases that, you know, the Adele and then Taylor Swift, like, and then of course they've got all the different variants of those records and it just, of course, like more, all the band with more power the, to them. More, yeah. You know, more power to them. They can, they can sell that out and, you know, they're also important in the music industry. Uh, I just, you know, small artists, who rely on vinyls and all this other type of stuff, it obviously becomes much harder for them to make money. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So let's not, let's not, uh, let's not burn any bridges Uh, (laughs) unnecessarily. Of of course. And I think, you know, there's more vinyl plants being opened. And I think just the, the supply chain of materials is that was the other thing was that there was just a shortage of the, raw materials needed to make the records that was contributing to right. the slowdown of stuff. So I, you know, I think it'll be faster this year and I think there's going to be more, um, there's more plants being opened. So that'll help a lot of stuff. Um, so that, that, that one lacquer plant in, in California going up in flames really, I mean, it was like one of two of the main lacquer uh, producers in the world. Once that one burnt down, obviously things were going to be really really bad <laughs> yeah luckily there's other ways of manufacturing records now because you know that was a very that burnt down and it was a very particular it was the, like you know the original way of doing it but now there's different ways of manufacturing um late or uh records now that aren't so um reliant on you know the old-fashioned way of doing stuff so you know and again i think i've seen you've seen a lot more quick turnaround of records now um, so, you know, we're talking about future tense of stuff for you. you know, it seems like you get an idea, you explore an idea. And prior to recording, you're talking about how, like you write a song and you try to do a theme and then you have all these other tangents and then the tangents are the ones, the things that get completed first. Um, so you've, you, you're working on some stuff now. Can you talk about maybe thematically about what you're exploring or what you're trying to do? Well, I have, let's say, three-ish projects right now. Uh, maybe, maybe four. Okay. Uh, will all four come out? No idea. One of them is uh, 
one of them's basically done. Just a few last little mixing uh, and mastering little things that have to go into it. And it is, uh, let's see, what's the, what's the best way to describe this project? Well, the tentative title is Noise. Uh, that, that, that's just, you know, a working title because I couldn't think of anything else at the time. <laughs> uh, two EPs probably coming out in the spring, both very different from each other. One of them's looking a little bit more, it's really hard to explain. Let's say fast frenetic rhythms and lots of synthesizers, a little bit kind of futuristic sound I'm kind of going for with this one and then the other one I don't know what I'm going to do with this one this there's like six-ish songs on this one eight songs on the other one the one with six a little bit more kind of classical retro sounds um I wanted to have something just kind of like a treat to cold people over while the all the finer details are being worked out on some of the future stuff because um, the, the, the real project that I've been working on for quite a while now has been this vocal album. And it's very difficult to, uh, I mean, I'd love to play you some, but now I'm on my, I'm on my non-production computer. <laughs> uh, so I can't even, I can't even spoil it, but it's it's very somewhere in the realm of like indie rock dream pop kind of vibe very still eagle eyed tiger for sure but it, it this was the first project that made me question and say should i really be putting this out under eagle eyed tiger like should i make a different alias a different band name you know is this is this project still Eagle Eye Tiger enough for people to uh, enjoy it? And even if it's not about enjoying it, will the different streaming services and whatnot, will they still think of me just as a you know vaporwave or retrowave type of artist? Will they be receptive to me trying very different genres and very different sounds? Uh, which, it, I mean, honestly, if... If it were me, I would just keep everything under the same umbrella. But the way some of these services work, it's just so backwards where they're like, once you get placed into a lane, they kind of only look at you in that in that frame uh, of reference. So that's a that's an that, interesting like in some ways that's like, oh, good. There is a way that people could find me. But then it's also really restrictive because if you want to do something that's different, um, then you're kind of now chained a bit so to speak yeah it's 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 a i will never uh complain too much about spotify because spotify and their the way their playlists work have brought me to a whole different audience obviously synth you know synthesizer fans let's just say broadly speaking people who like this type of synth music um most of these cats are, you know, following electronic gems and they're following, you know, uh, all the different other YouTube channels that do this uh, type of thing. 
But uh, Spotify has that unique ability to kind of recommend you to other people who maybe like other artists within the genre or even outside of the genre. And then, you know, you, it, it's, it's a, such a cool way of being able to reach new people, being able to reach a, a different audience. The, the downside is that obviously because the algorithm works in such a way that if for, I don't know, the first X number of years, they look at you as, uh, I don't know, like a pop star. If you release a jazz album, I don't know if they're really going to put you in, in, in those jazz editorials unless you have some kind of label where they're like, right. it's jazz. It's really jazz. You gotta like you, you guys really got to believe me. It's jazz. <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's, it's a weird situation, but, um, hopefully people dig it. Hopefully people like it. I've always wanted to, uh, do that. What I did with smile for the camera, where I put out a single, a single, a single, and each single had like, not just one song. It was usually like, uh, two songs. And then one was like an instrumental for the instrumental people. And then one was one with vocals. For me, you know, I kind of have that mentality of like one for you, one for me kind of thing. <laughs> uh, with that album, I kind of want to do it all for me. Like I want this to be that kind of unique project, you know, put out these other things beforehand. Maybe people uh, will prefer those. Maybe people will prefer the the full album but i'm hoping that all of this is able to come out this year so most of the writing most of the the production is done on that album it's just a matter of finishing up some vocals finishing up some lyrics and then seeing how it all kind of forms into one project right the other two eps are basically done if i wanted to i could probably just release them today I'm not going to do that obviously but um they're both, let's say, largely instrumental. The first EP that might come out in February, or I guess this month, um, depending on when this uh, podcast goes out, but that one I think is fully instrumental. The next one I think maybe has one or two vocal songs. Just trying new ideas, new concepts, and hopefully hopefully people dig it you know yeah you know what i really like is that you you put these morsels of music out and i think and maybe you don't and maybe i'm totally giving you more credit than what you should get or whatnot it feels like you know when an idea is fulfilled for like an ep like here whatever amount of songs it's not an album it's an ep we're going to release it. Here's this little package that fits thematically or whatever it is. And, and, and here it is. You don't try to fill it with fluff to make it an album, right? To get it to the 9, 10, 11, 12 songs. It's yeah, like, yeah. Here's. Now this works thematically. This works or this is whatever I wanted to say in this particular amount of time in my life. Here it is. There you go. And I, and I really like having those different pieces it keeps it cohesive and, and not to say that i like you know dislike uh music that is all over the place um on one album but i do like how 
you know, you have really nice, concise pieces of music that you can consume and enjoy. And it's a mood. You know, I will listen to Smile for the Camera for a different reason um, than Untether or Unravel or, you know, whatever. And I, and I like that. And then it, it all works together. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm always trying to think about, do these songs fit? And I'll, on on some of my earlier stuff, especially the stuff before um, my first album, a lot of times it was just like, okay, the songs that were on Magnetic might have been done around the time that the previous release uh was kind of finished but they don't really go together like the songs that are on that one don't really fit on simulation and the one on simulation don't really fit on magnetic if you put them next to each other in like a playlist it can kind of work you know maybe if you jumble it up a bit um but at the time i was thinking okay i'm really going for some kind of cyberpunky kind of sound with this one and then for magnetic it was kind of more really let's just crank the lo-fi meter to like 20 you know Mm -hmm. let's 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 just really dirty that thing up it's going to be almost unintelligible like it's going to be that grimy and i try to make sure that when i'm releasing albums that i keep that type of mindset where i'm not just trying to fit something for a play count i'm also not trying to remove things um that could work and sometimes songs get reworked all the time like uh every now and then i'll have projects and they'll they'll be in development for quite a while they'll you know you'll have i mean christ for for what i'm releasing in february and march right that's eight plus so we we got like 14 songs across those two projects let's say 14 with an asterisk because it could you know subject to change but if i compare all of that to how many project files i've been messing around with during this like era i guess you could say we're probably well into the 20s maybe even the 30s and some of the songs that you know they're coming through they might just be little interludes they might just be little musical ideas that that they just happen to fit that mood, that vibe, that that atmosphere. But some of them, and I, you know, I, as you can see, probably a majority of them, they just don't fit either. And sometimes those songs, they never see the daylight, and sometimes they end up coming back in a very different way. Uh, just looking at, like, Feathers, Feathers all started from the song Feathers. I had that song finished, like, completely done, even before Untether Unravel like was starting its promotional stuff with the with those singles. Like that mm-hmm. that song, it just didn't fit Untether Unravel, no matter right. how many different ways I uh I I spun it. And the next song that was done for that was Rear Window, the one with the vocals, right? And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this one, maybe I'll save it for that vocal album, but then I kind of just Feathers has a weird energy to it. There's kind of a, I don't want to say um, that like 
somewhat kind of hip-hop instrumentally kind of thing is going on for a few of the tracks there's a bit of a groove to it there's a bit of a shuffle let's say mm-hmm. in the in the uh in the rhythm and that song it just happened to be done it was kind of in that limbo zone and then i just put it in there just to see what it would sound like could this work in this kind of aesthetic could this work and with, with with these other songs does it really stick out and it just happened to work sometimes you get all these happy accidents other times it's completely you know just dumb luck where uh i guess that's kind of similar to a happy accident but you get what i'm trying to say like <laughs> yeah absolutely not everything is this brilliant idea that i've had that just worked out and it was like oh yes my my master plan has uh come to fruition right it's, it's not usually linear. yeah exactly it's interesting you talk about some of the things you do we were talking to josh from small black and his creative process where they they demo and demo and demo stuff out and they've got and he keeps literally every single musical idea that they've ever had ever and they would go back and revisit some ideas to flesh them out. And what he would say is, well, we weren't good enough yet. We were too ambitious. That's a good idea, but we saved it. And now we've come back to finish it 10 years later. And so it's interesting in that same kind of sense of what you're talking about. You're creating music. It doesn't fit. And you're just waiting for the right, whatever it is for to get together, to release it. Yeah that that's definitely uh the phenomenon like a lot of times when i'm coming up with a project i'll have these ideas and it's a matter of can i actually translate that into sound a lot of times the answer is yes a lot of times the answer is holy shit that sounds awful (laughs) so so you know and look i'm i'm kind of a gearhead i will often delude myself into thinking, oh, well, you know what this needs? This needs a new synthesizer or this needs a new <laughs> guitar pedal. And then I get the new guitar pedal and I, I get the synthesizer and it didn't do that thing great, but it's given me that inspiration to make something completely different. You know, it's very unsustainable uh, practice though. <laughs> I do not advise anybody else Sounds to... Expensive. Uh, to yeah um so we're we're getting at a a good place is there anything that we need to touch uh base on uh we've talked about you've got uh it's exciting if you're an eagle eye tiger fan it's an exciting year for for you because of the releases that you're gonna you're gonna do anything else that we should talk about while we have you here hmm well uh I've always been interested in performing, as I said. Um, I don't have anything lined up like that. No, no live performances yet. What uh, would it take? Because I'm curious, curious about this. I want to see Eagle Eye Tiger live. Well, it's it's kind of an interesting conversation to have because a lot of my music could be played in like a DJ set type of situation. Obviously, it could be played on uh let's say like electron boxes where i'm like triggering samples i'm i'm you know 
able to interact with the music on a on a tactile level, which is important to me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is also, you know, how do I translate this into something that's interesting that actually gets people to come? And yeah. I've been thinking maybe 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 I'll start trying to do some like YouTube performances, see if see if that has any type of uh, uh, market because for me it's it's I want to make sure if I do it, I'm not half-assing it. Like I want right. people, if they're going to come, if they're going to take their precious time and either, you know, drive, walk, you know, wherever it may be, it would probably be in New York at least because that's where I am. But um, uh, if they're going to go to the effort to see me, I want it to be a worthwhile experience. Cause I feel like a lot of bands, if they have that reputation of being good live, they usually have pretty good legs to stand on moving forward. Mm-hmm. But if they start out, if, if they start out real, real bad, and they, you know, obviously everyone has like a really bad gig, but um, especially when they're starting out, but if there's nothing of value, then uh, there's, there's no real point in doing it in my opinion. Like yeah. I want to make sure it's done right. So I might do some trial and error stuff on YouTube first. See if, see if it translates at all. Cause you know, how do you play some of this stuff in a live setting? I don't have like three other dudes uh, who I can just call upon, you know, to play the drums, to, to play uh, the bass, to play another guitar. And I definitely, I definitely am not ready to sing on a stage. <laughs> Let me put it that way. You know, uh, well, you don't have them yet. Well, true. True. <laughs> but, um, for me, I want to make sure that it's a uh, it's a cool experience for everybody. Like, I want to enjoy doing it, and I want the people who are listening to enjoy it as well. And that's the other thing. Like, what what happens when you when you go to a show and everyone wants you to play the uh, the dancey tracks, and you're playing like the really heavy stuff, or vice versa? You know. I think if you I think you hit on something really succinctly which is if you're good performing live you've got legs to stand on um there are plenty of artists that i have seen that i'm a fan of that frustrate me but i'm going to see them live anyways because every time i see them it's something different um there's an artist that i really like basically once he's done with an era of his music he'll never play it live again so if you have a song that you like you better show up because he's going <laughs> to stop playing it live um, that's a pretty good idea and so it's like it's an event if you're gonna go see him and then like he'll and then what he does is he supplements covers a- into his music because he's known for his his voice and um but yeah that that's it so like you know i have these memories of going to this concerts and i know that that that's it that's he's not playing that stuff again or he'll play a different yeah. version of it he'll rewrite it i think to me what's interesting and I think could really apply to your music is you have your, the recorded album, but then you translate it live so that it is what it is. You've got the records and then you've got the live component. And then that is different. It's an interpretation, almost a recontextualizing of your own music. So like you could be like square pusher who plays bass on stage. That's how he plays, you know, live. And it's 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 a great idea. It's a great idea. I think I think for me, I really have to 
network a little bit better so I can get in touch with people who would want to work with me on making this stuff translate into a live mm-hmm. setting because I have the ideas. I have the equipment. It's just a matter of, you know, translating all these little nuggets, all these little ideas and making them into something that sounds good in a live setting. Cause obviously everything sounds great. If you put enough time and effort into the mix and the master, you can, you can turn a really crappy song into something that sounds decent at least. <laughs> right. But, um, live, you can take a beautiful song and make it sound like shit. That's so. absolutely true. And there's always that dynamic. That's the exciting part of performing live because yeah. it also depends on the venue's PA and their their sound engineer oh, that they yeah. have for the night. There's so many factors that go into um, to live performances. And that's part of the, you know, as you say, it's like that's the reason to go. Like that's the excitement. That's the thing um, is seeing these unique shows that, that's it that that's all there is um and so i hope that you figure that out i would love to see eagle eye tiger live i think that'd be really Mm -hmm. exciting an interesting thing uh to engage with music differently because you know i think you're a concert goer yourself um interacting with music in a live sense in a communal sense it takes on a whole different um, meaning a whole different energy when you, everyone sure. is able to like tune into each other. It almost becomes, I'm, uh, I'm trying not to be hokey, but almost spiritual in the sense of, Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. We are all having this common experience together and we're feeling and hearing the same thing at the same time. And this artist is on stage is communicating to us and, you know, yeah, it's mathematical, but it's also highly emotional. And so like, I think your music in a lot of ways, I think would be really um, like exciting to engage with in a live setting. And, and Kyle and I have played your music, DJed it at least uh, at concerts. So you've, your music has been out there on the dance floor <laughs> before. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right, man. Well, I don't, I don't have anything else. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything else? He doesn't have anything. Um, I appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to the albums that are coming out and music uh, EPs as well. Um, until next time, this is Eric. Kyle. That's Kyle. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, thanks for having me.